This episode is brought to you by Women on Top, a book that helps you make a big difference in the world with your money. If you want to learn how to do just that, make sure you grab your copy of Women on Top, Women, Wealth, and Social Change. The link to that book will be in the show notes for this episode. Building a successful business is a long journey, and some people who do reach that level of success go a little backwards and lose the momentum. And it's natural for businesses to go into cycles where you have some good quarters, some bad quarters. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how do we get back on track for your business? How do we turn a business around that is losing revenue, that is losing customers? And then how do we go from a pit to being able to not just turn around, but accelerate further than you were before. We're going to talk about that and make that our main focus in this episode. Our guest who joins us is a modern day samurai with a fourth degree black belt in the Japanese martial arts of Akita. 24 years ago, he started an exploration to find out what made large national brands extremely successful over locally grown entrepreneurs. And on this journey, he discovered how to apply the big brand corporate success secrets into a variety of businesses to create highly profitable results. Our guest who joins us is none other than Shane Fielder. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Shane, it is a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and I feel like there are so many businesses, especially now, where they had a peak when it came to revenue and earnings, and they're a bit on the decline, but just because that's where they are now doesn't mean that it has to be the entire narrative. So based on your experience with coaching clients, with looking at these big corporations, what would you say are some of the key opportunities we have to turn a sinking business around? That's a great lead question, Mark. So number one, it's always focus and it's understanding what are we trying to accomplish? So I think in terms of that, there's a lot of the leadership that fails to ask that question. And it's really understanding, are we trying to really turn the business around because we need bottom line revenue? Or are we trying to turn the business around for another use value? Um, so the other, the other thing is there's also value of shareholders, value of assets or properties. And so it's getting clear in terms of what do you need? I used to work in parking management and real estate before I got into the coaching world and we would manage hundreds of millions of dollars a year of, of revenue and billions of dollars worth of asset value. And whenever we went into a decline or a property wasn't performing, we would always go in and ask the owners, what is your objective? Are you looking for people to just come through the doors so that you can sustain daily sales? Are you looking at the value to the ecosystem of the property? So the tenants, the vendors, the retailers, the restaurateurs, are you looking to keep that cohesive or are you just looking to keep shareholder or property value high? And we would spend lots of time in that conversation getting very clear on that because from that perspective, the answer would then drive what would we do as a turnaround strategy? And it's very insightful how Shane isn't just saying, you know, you do these strategies to boost your revenue, but it's getting clear on what you have to do to 
recover. And it's not just let's get more revenue, let's get more customers. For some businesses, it could be let's increase that margin, let's cut down on expenses. You have to be clear on what metric will define your version of success. And then it's just a matter of focusing in on that metric over a few months or a few years, depending on what your goal is. Yeah. And I've done a lot of turnarounds, Mark. And so I've gone into businesses over the years and walked into a business that somebody wanted to just add more value and sell later on, or gone into a business where people were, the, the ownership or the executives were coming to me saying, look, we're 50% down and we're on a fast decline because we're in a recession or there's, there's a problem in the area or the local economy. How do we turn this around quickly? Otherwise, we're not going to be in business. And so stepping into those, I found were very exciting situations uh, because there was always an opportunity to do something. So I think one of the things that I want to just offer up first is the, the value of constraints. And when business is going along at a very steady growth rate, whether that's a predictable growth rate and you're meeting your objectives, you actually have more constraints because you're less, you're less open to trying new things. When business is going south, and you have a 50% decrease, and you're looking and saying, we could be out of business in six months, the constraints are obliterated. And people are open to new ideas, and they're open to testing new, new marketing methods or production methods or whatever it would be. Uh, and to me, that's where the sweet spot really gets awesome. And then that's when the mindset shifts is when we can go in and say, okay, let's get rid of the constraints. Let's get rid of the way we used to do things. Let's get rid of the mindset that change isn't possible. And now let's go in and look at, based on the question I asked you earlier, what, what does your net result need to be? Now we can drive the programs and, and the trials and then put it to work. And it's really awesome when you do that. And you mentioned a mindset shift. And if you want to achieve a different result, you definitely need to have a mindset shift. And I'd love to dive a little more into that from a business standpoint, because you could shift your focus. You could say, instead of just focusing on revenue, we're going to focus on shareholder value, or we're just going to build it up to sell, or we're going to take on more leverage or less leverage. But when you say where you want to shift your focus, the financials are the same as they were before you decided to shift your focus. Just the thinking pen and paper part, because when you apply, it could be, it's going to change. But how can we have the meaningful mindset change that changes what our income looks like? Yeah. So that's a great question. And the mindset has to be shifted with the people who have the minds. So we have to really get into the leadership conversation and we have to create transparency. And so any of these businesses that I've walked into where we've had to do an aggressive turnaround, I would sit down with the senior leadership, get the lay of the land, understand what's happening, where have the people been thinking, what have they been hesitating on, and then see if we can create a, a mindset shift right there and then. And then I would sit with the, the other layers and, and other people and contributors on the different teams and department managers and right down to the frontline customer service representatives and the people doing the field work. And it's not always prevalent in companies, Mark, but the one tenant that I would always put out is good, bad, or ugly. I need to know it all. I can't help you if I don't know some information. And when I would give that speech in a more elaborate format to the people that would be sitting in the boardroom, 
people would walk up to me after and say, no one's ever said that to us. No one's ever given us the freedom to come in and tell you what's going wrong or what's going right. And then I would have a series of meetings with the staff and get into the culture of the business and find out, well, you know what? The maintenance manager has been trying for years to innovate a new process, but he's been shut down because of five, five reasons. And that goes back to constraints, man-made constraints. So then I would take his ideas and then say, well, let's take that upstairs. And so then we would go back and sit with the leadership and say, do you know that there's three or four ways that we could turn around the, the things that are happening in the maintenance department? Then we would go talk to accounting and they would say, yeah, for years we've been trying to eliminate this process or this unnecessary step, or we've been wanting to increase, you know, accounts payables or receivable tracking or whatever, but we've been stonewalled because we have either outdated technology or we have something. And every time there's caring invested people that have solutions sitting in a report that was submitted and it got shelved and it collected dust. So getting that out in the open, getting the transparency level up starts to shift the mindset in the people that, oh, that idea that I had come up with or put a lot of time and investment or did some R&D with is now actually valuable, valuable again. And now they act as a mini unit leader so they can come in and create lead leadership and then say, wow, we can actually do something. And that one thing will turn around a lot of businesses as long as leadership can shift their mindset, get out of ego, and really say, we've got to all do this together. Otherwise, six months from now, we're out of business. From an organizational standpoint, it's very much a team effort. You do have the leaders who give people their roles, but if you have the bad leader, you're on a sinking ship. And Shane brings up a really great point where from an organizational standpoint, if everyone feels like they're not getting heard or their ideas aren't, they're really good ideas, but no one's really giving them attention, then it's not going to lead to innovation. It's going to lead to stagnation. It's going to lead to missed opportunities. So it's important to listen to the people around you. And even if you're just a solopreneur, just listening to the thoughts and ideas from this podcast, the thoughts and ideas from others, and the thoughts and ideas within your heart that maybe you're not fully embracing at this moment because you've got a few other things to do, which is certainly all of us to a certain degree. And I know on your journey, Shane, you looked at corporations and you got to go into some of their success secrets. So I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit with us what you learned from all these top corporations, because I feel like, I know you help the local businesses to apply those same secrets. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was a real exploration for me. I use, I started out working for family business when I was a kid going through university, started my own business after that, got into a recession, had a provincial government that laid off 70% of my clients and customers had to sell half the business, close the other half. And then I made a decision that I, I need to learn why that happened and make sure that never happens again. And so back in 1996, that's when franchising models were becoming huge. And so I started getting involved in the franchise level and working for the franchisors and figuring out, okay, what makes some of the largest brands really successful? So the first one is consistency. The first step is to figure out how can you deliver a consistent experience, product, or service to the people that you're delivering it to. 
And I've heard this time and time again, where I'm dealing with a local operator, could be a mid-sized company or, or a smaller uh, entrepreneurial endeavor, solopreneurs. And there's always a complaint that says, well, the big companies, well, you know, I could do that too, if I was a big company. And my comment always back is you can actually do better than the big company because you can let, you can deploy consistency, but you can also deploy a wow factor. You can deploy touch points and specialization and customizations that a big machine cannot deploy. And so first step is always figuring out, okay, what is consistent? How are we answering the telephone? How are we packaging the products? How are we delivering the service? Are we upselling? Are we offering alternative value or offers to people at the end of the transaction? So, I mean, I'm trying to keep a lot of different businesses uh, at a high level here, Mark, but how can you, how can you inject a level of consistency? And so that usually takes a requirement to look at what are your operating procedures? Are your operating procedures inside internally inside the business? Are they stated? Are they clearly stated? Are they replicable? Are they understood by all the team and everybody that has the, has a part in, in delivering that service or creating the product? So that's the first step that actually can solve a lot of problems for a struggling business. And it's very important that Shane mentioned you could do better than a big company and it may not necessarily be revenue wise, but it's definitely going to be impact wise on your customers. I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people overestimate how much revenue they need to meet certain goals. And it is good to have a buffer. It is good to have backup, but I feel like a lot of people overestimate what it is that they need. And instead of trying to get so many different people to visit your site or something like that, which is a great goal, but I feel like so many people, they focus more on acquisition than the experience for their existing customers. So if you're looking at someone like Tim Cook, he could never write thank you notes to all of his customers, personal, handwritten. He couldn't just because of numbers. But if you have a few customers for your coaching, your book, your training, you can write those thank you notes. And I'm just talking from a solopreneur sense. And if you have a corp, if you have an organization, you have a small business and you've got a few people on the team, there are things you could do that a big company can't. And it's just a matter of figuring out what that is for you. And then as Shane mentioned, creating that consistent experience. Correct. And, and then it's also those procedures. So I can tell you a quick story that immediately came to mind as you were saying that in my business, going back five years ago, uh, I sell information products, coaching products and things like that. So I was selling some products and every month I would sit down and look at who was purchasing my products and services. Who are they getting a sense of how long have they been in my audience? Do I know them or not? Sometimes I'll reach out. And I noticed this one guy had made a purchase and I thought, I think I recall that name. He has a very distinct name. So I looked in my database. Sure enough, he'd purchased the same product about 18 months prior. Hmm. So I immediately refunded it, sent him an email saying, you already own this. If you need access, let me know. I've, re I've reset all your access. Here's everything you need to use the product. Let me know if you need help. He emails me back the next day and said, I am actually dumbfounded. This is what customer service should be when you get a refund before you ask for it. Well, about six months later, he took an offer 
to become one of my one-to-one coaching clients. And for the last five years, he's still a client five years later. So when you think about what was the value of, of me spending that time going through my, my product sales, going through my customer lists, looking at that, making sure we were delivering excellent customer service. The value was a five year customer value. And he's still a client today. We have a great relationship and he's a joy to work with. So there's one simple example where we've got to get really dialed into that consistency internally and then we can change that. And that will, it will go out outside. It will expand outside the business. It will have people talking about the way the business is changing. And it's much deeper than putting a sign outside that says new management or, or new product or new, new sandwich or you know, whatever it is. You have to turn it on from the inside out. So number one is consistency. Number two, to go into like, how do the big companies do things that smaller entrepreneurs would like to do? Um, and it's looking at content, intellectual property, and how do you manifest that into a relationship? So how do you build a relationship with that customer or client on a one-to-many or a one-to-one experience? And again, that comes through a standardized process, right? A lot of people use McDonald's redundantly and say, well, would you like fries with that? But there's many reasons that would you like fries with that ever became. Uh, It's part of the experience. It's part of the service consistency. At the end of the day, yes, it does drive revenue into the till. But again, it's part of the service consistency. And so if you want to go back to that and figure out, okay, well, how do we create more service? It doesn't have to be that your product or your service has to be this amazing product on stand on its own. It has to be backed up with consistency that runs in and out of the product. And I think customer service is the golden example here because the way Shane got back to that customer quickly if you try a big corporation, you're going to have to press one to speak to a representative. You're going to have to press two to do this other thing. And when you are a smaller business, you do have the ability to know your customers on a deeper level. So I do feel like it's easy to get discouraged. You look at this bigger business and you wish you had that kind of revenue. You wish you had that kind of demand for your product. But the relationships you build with your customers. And to do it on that scale, like Shane mentioned, that's what's going to separate you. And then you become a small type of business with a community of people who love you versus a bigger business where people use you to, you know, for what you offer, but then it's not the same type of customer service or same type of experience as that small business experience. Shane, I know that you help people who do want to grow their businesses. So I do want to give you the opportunity right now to share where we can go to follow your work and journey. Yeah, so you can find me at samuraiinnovation.com and that's an easy place to start. Everything's laid out, the, uh, the three problems that I help every business owner solve, which is developing people. Uh, the second one is marketing by turning intellectual property and content into buyers. And the third one is we look at our income optimization formula. It's very clearly laid out on the site. Um, and a gift that I can give everybody today is if you go to nofailplans.com, it's a planning course that I created because I realized that a lot of executives and owners and leaders that I work with, 
Um, spend a lot of time in bright, shiny object land of productivity and trying this method and that method. And, and over the years, I was able to distill productivity down into eight to 10 different methods that work for a variety of people. They don't work for everybody, but there's one or two in there that'll work for you. And so our listeners here today can go there and I will buy the course for them. It's already set up. They'll have all the information's there. So that's how you can get a hold of me and find me. We will have those links down in the show notes for everyone who wants to check out Shane and his work. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you very much, Mark. Take care.